Hi, I'm glad that you joined us today with another way of doing church. It is so good to see you there. I see you nice and cosy there on the couch. Oh, you've got a few extra people at your place. Good to see that you've invited a few more people to come around and spend this time together. Where is that? It doesn't look like somewhere in Australia. One of the good things about being able to put this online is that people all over the world are able to tune in. Once the service is finished, it's not unusual for me to receive a message from one of my family members overseas saying how much they enjoyed the service. When our church first went online, I was wondering why would I want to sit and listen to a sermon from my local church when there's so many other good sermons out there from well-known pastors. Well, it only took our first sermon online to help me realise why I wanted to listen to Castle Hill sermons. It's that personal touch, the private stories that people tell during their sermons, the virtual visits to people's places from which I'm able to put together dots of who's related to whom and how it all fits together. I've learnt a lot about our different members from our online church. The musical skills gives us the variety that we love to see and hear, and not to leave out the talent shown in our children's stories and skits. There are so many reasons. We often hear about what we're missing about, not meeting together, so I thought I might mention some of the good things about being online. I can go back and replay parts that I want to hear again and again. If I fall asleep during the sermon, I can go back and listen to the things I missed. You don't need to get dressed in Sabbath clothes. I can listen to it whether I'm sitting on my couch, at home, or driving in the car, anywhere in fact, and it's available anywhere in the world. Last week, Nick introduced us to our theme, which is running for four weeks, which uses the word ARROW as an acronym for our topics on raising children. If you missed last week, be sure to check it out on YouTube. Just Google for Castle Hill SDA, and you'll find it there, along with the other past sermons. He did the letter R for rhythm. I love it how he used a story that Jesus told to illustrate that rhythm was so important in our family unit. Don't know what I'm talking about? It is there on YouTube. Today, we're going to be doing A for AIM. I'm excited to hear from someone who I haven't seen preaching before, so it's not necessarily going to be in her comfort zone, but I know when it comes to parenting that she'll have a wealth of knowledge to share with us. Many years ago, God entrusted my wife and I to parent our daughters. We took it with the aim that we were going to do our very best to be the most perfect family that we could. Now, we have made mistakes, and we still continue to make mistakes. But what is it we're aiming for? What is it we should be aiming for? I'm interested to see what Tracy has found in the Bible to share with us that will answer my questions and more. So stay with us now as we worship and praise God wherever you may be. 
Good morning and happy Sabbath. I am so looking forward to seeing all your faces again and one day being a part is only going to be a memory. It's just going to be history and I'm looking forward to that. So this month our church is particularly looking at the family and parenting on the edge of eternity and learning to live towards the target. And today I'm going to look at taking our aim, taking our aim towards that target. So this is Indy's javelin. It's hot pink, it's pretty girly, but it means absolute business and she loves it. A javelin is actually a light spear and used to be a weapon, but these days it's just used in sport. So pre-COVID, Indy and I used to go down to the Throws Park and a lot of other girls were down there practicing javelin. And so what would happen is the girls would run along this like it's a runway, sprint, they'd launch their javelins and then each girl would go out and collect their javelin and come back. And this particular day I was standing there with some mums and I was watching Indy and she threw her javelin and out she walked to go and pick up her javelin out of the soft grass. And I looked away for literally moments and I looked back and to my horror, the girl behind her was actually sprinting down and she was in the last two steps before she threw her javelin. And I could see Indy out of the corner of my eye. She was down the field and she was trying to pull her javelin out of the soft grass. And it was at that point that my world slowed down to almost nothing. It was at that point when everything became really slow motion. And I don't know if you've ever had that type of anxiety when you're watching something just rolling out in front of you, but your heart literally stops. Anyway, the javelin literally flew past Indy and later she said, Mum, she said, I actually heard the javelin go past me. It's a terrible anxiety when you see something like that happen. And that night I thought to myself, I could walk Indy to the car that night as if nothing happened. And folks said to me, oh, look, it wouldn't have killed her. Well, that's good. But one way or another, she would have got the point. Imagine if the javelin actually hit her in the back of the neck. Imagine if it hit her through her eye. It could have been very serious. And in fact, I wondered like if God intervened, if he actually tweaked just the angle that that little girl was releasing the javelin, maybe a quarter of a degree, and it was just enough to miss my daughter. But you know what? Solomon doesn't use a javelin as a metaphor for children in the Bible. He uses an arrow. He says children are like arrows. Let's look at Psalm 127 verses 3 to 5. But let's focus on verse 4. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, 
that shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And thanks to Wayne Sheriff for letting me borrow his bow and arrow set. And as you can see, this is his bow and it's not hot pink and there's nothing girly about it. It's very, very manly and it means business. This was not bought from a toy shop. And if some of you are wondering what a quiver is, this is actually a quiver. It's like a container for arrows. And this is a real arrow. This is probably a carbon fibre arrow. And this is what Solomon likens to our children. Here we find the analogy that our kids are like arrows. So Solomon in his writings would use words to form pictures. He wouldn't just say, don't be lazy. He would say, go to, consider the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. And he didn't just say, oh, you know, kids are important and this is the way we should raise them. He said, kids are like arrows. And then all of a sudden, every home becomes an archery range. Every family becomes a quiver and every parent becomes an archer. Now, a true archer does everything on purpose. Everything's done deliberately and intentionally because they want their arrow to fly straight and true towards the target. And what is the target of an archer? It is the bullseye. That's what they're aiming for. So as Christians raising children in a godly home, what is our target? What is the thing that we're aiming for? What is most important? And that is our children would have a relationship with Jesus, that they would have a living relationship with him. They would lean on him. They would depend on him. That's what we want for our children. So let's explore some truths about the bullseye and about living on the edge of eternity and raising kids to follow him. First of all, there's a lot of different arrows out there, but there's only one target. So you can have this arrow. I mean, this is the shaft of an arrow and it could be made out of aluminium. It could be made out of wood. It could be carbon fiber, which is this is what this probably is. Um, it could be fiberglass. It could have a feather vein or a plastic vein. This is a plastic vein. And then the arrowheads. There are so many different arrowheads out there with different points. You could have a bullet point, a field point, a blunt point, a grabbing point or broadheads. So while I was actually researching all the different arrows out there, I actually read about this lady who was um, asking, now what sort of arrow should I buy and what sort of um, arrowhead? Because I've got so many poisonous snakes on my property and I want to cull them using a bow and arrow. And I thought, oh my goodness, you'd want to have some practice up your sleeve um, and your eye would definitely need to be in, otherwise everything could go pear-shaped. Anyway, so just like there's lots of different arrows, there are many different types of children, different temperaments, different personalities. God has gifted them in so many different ways. So we could have phlegmatics, sanguines, we could have introverts, extroverts, kids who like sport, art, music. Some could be sciencey. It's never-ending. And we know just from the children that we have in our own family who are from the same shop that they can be so, so different. When I think of Sam and Indy, they are worlds apart. So Sam, when he was little, I decided, I thought, let me teach him tennis. 
He said, no, 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 mum, don't teach me. I know. I said, okay then. Then Indy came along and I said, Indy, come on, I'll teach you tennis. And she was up for it. And so she would say to me, mum, what haven't you taught me today? Teach me something new. Just totally different types of kids. She is more of a go-getter. She's a lot of fun, um, but she is, um, she's always up to learn something new. Sam's more cruisy. He's more relaxed, more back of house. In fact, once he told me that the Dulux tin of jelly beans is actually on his bucket list. So go figure. And I can't say to him, um, why can't you be more like your sister? And I can't say to Indy, why can't you be more like your brother? Because they're totally different arrows. Kids are fearfully and wonderfully made, but they are so different from each other. So there's lots of different arrows out there, but there's actually only one true meaningful target. And that target is that they do know Jesus Christ, the one who says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's nothing more important than that, nothing more important that our children will know and trust and walk with him. Christians define success this way, Matthew 6 verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. You know what, God's going to bless us anyway. If we put him first, if we teach our children to put him first, God is just going to bless us in many other ways. But for our children, our arrows to fly straight and true towards that target that is so important, we need to have a flight plan for them. Joshua had a very deliberate, intentional flight plan. He said in Joshua 24 verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everyone has to finish that statement somehow. If you have to finish it intentionally or if you just finish it by default, we all have to finish that statement. What's your as for me and my house? For some people it might be as for me and my house, my kids are going to be great athletes. Others it might be as for me and my house, my kids are going to earn a lot of money. I have to finish that statement either by default or intentionally. As for me and my house, how will I finish that? What is our number one priority? But you know what? The wonderful thing about having a priority is that we can tweak it. We can reset our priorities. Any day the sun comes up and it's fresh with no mistakes. How many times do I pray, Lord, help me to be a better, better mum? I think the most powerful prayer is actually said in three words, Lord, help me. And you know what, it also depends on the mindset we have. We can have a radical expectation for what God has in mind for our children. Our children can live extraordinary lives for him. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. God has a plan for our children. He wants our children to reach other people. He wants them to draw others to him. You know what? The world is filled with magic. And from the time that our children are really small, they're totally hit with it. I remember 
when Samuel was just little and um, he was say about four or five years old and he was watching ABC Kids I think it was and I was cooking dinner and one child said to another child on you know this kids program let's go and see the necromancer and I thought what the heck like where's the agenda there like you know, what child would even know what a necromancer was? Even some adults wouldn't know what that word was. And then fast forward a few years and Indy brings home a little book. And it's such a sweet little book. It's got a pretty picture on the front page of a little girl with a tiara. And um, on the back page, it talks about the story about the little girl. But in the middle of the book, it was about how to discern if you're sitting next to a witch on a train. So, like, my goodness, it's, it's just crazy. And yet, you know, sometimes we are so scared of the supernatural because of, you know, the bad rap that all that junk gives it. But in actual fact, we can pray for our children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. My mother-in-law, even before we had children, told me the biggest gift that we can give them is to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at night, just to stop at their bedroom door while they're sleeping and ask the Lord to fill them with the Holy Spirit. If we really believe that we're filled with the Spirit, do we think that we're going to stay the same? Romans 5.5 teaches us that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the love of God is literally poured into us. And that's exactly how we can love the unlovable, how we can forgive the unforgivable. You know, children can lead lives that can have a supernatural, lasting effect. I believe that. And Indy even came into the room just recently and she said to me, oh, mum, she said, there's a quote that I really love of Superbook. I know a lot of the kids watch the Superbook episodes. And she said, and you know what it said, mum? It said that Saul said to David, what can a child do? And David said back to him, what can a child not do when that child goes with God? So we don't want to put barriers on what our children can and can't do for God. They can make a difference. They can lead other people to God. And um, I think one of the biggest examples of where something that was unforgivable was forgiven was this year. On the 1st of February, that tragic accident happened where a car came over the footpath and killed four children at Oatlands on that really hot summer's night. And um, the mother the next day, and you can, just, you can just know that she loves the Lord and that's the way she's raised her children. She actually said on TV that she had forgiven the driver. And I wondered what what it was like behind closed doors in Australian homes as they heard her say that. Because that's an incredible witness. I think that is supernatural because that's not normal. I think you have to have the Holy Spirit inside you to be able to forgive like that. And our children with the Holy Spirit they can make a difference in people's lives. They can forgive the unforgivable. They can love the unlovable. But you know what? They can't know what we don't tell them. So it's so important. The Bible implores us in Deuteronomy 6, 
verses 4 to 7, it implores us to teach our children, children diligently. When we walk, when we sit, when we rise, when we lie down, we need to be teaching our children the truths and how much God needs to be the focus of our life. And, and I know I don't do that enough. Um, and some people are really good at it, doing it deliberately and other people are good at doing it organically. And I guess I probably do it a little bit more naturally when I do it, when I take the opportunity and when God gives me the opportunity and I actually take it. I remember during COVID how um, the kids had to do homeschooling for a while and wasn't that a treat? And Indy and I used to go um, uh, scootering and around the neighbourhood. And it was at those times that I used to talk to her about the books that she was reading, um, relationships, how God was working in our lives, friendships. And I loved those moments with her because I was able to talk to her about real things. But God talks to us in so many different ways through the Bible. And I love that he talks in parables. And I love, love that he talks to us in um, analogies and metaphors. And this year, I've started an analogy with Indy. And I think it's a God thing because I think it's a pathway to happiness for her and for, and for other kids. And it's called A Garden of Friends. Now, I'm not real big on the BBF model of friendship, this best friend forever thing. You know, I know it worked for Anne of Green Gables and she had Diana and they were bosom buddies and, you know, lifelong friends and all the rest of it. And that was awesome. But Actually, for a lot of little girls, it's a pathway to unhappiness. So I decided to tweak my daughter's perception of friendships. And so I decided to give her the, the model of the garden of friends. So I said to Indy this, I said, look, Indy, I said, any really good friendship, it's like a beautiful flower and go plant a garden of them and water those friendships and nurture those friendships and enjoy those friendships but have a garden of friends. And she has loved that analogy and she's run with it. And she says to me, Mum, she said, I have in my garden of friends, I have a front row. And in that row, I water them and, you know, I spend time with them. And some of them I give blood and bone. And that's that fertilizer that we put on our hydrangeas that makes them pop out of the ground. And she just loves the analogy. She says, yeah, I've got some flowers in the back row and they still have some growing to do in the friendship department. She said, I water them as well. She knows who's in my garden of friends. She could tell you about it. And it was so funny because when I told my mum, who's 91, about this analogy of a, a garden of friends and how healthy I thought it was for children, she said to me, you know, Trace, she said, some girls are snapdragons, you know. And I just thought, it's so, so true. But at the end of the day, all little girls are fickle, including my own. And I just think it's a, just a happy way to live life and, um, and to particularly enjoy school even more and all the friendships at school. Um, the Lord uses analogies all the way, all the time through the Bible. And he uses the garden. He says, God the Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and God prudes us to produce bigger and better fruit. And you know what? I don't know why I don't, you know, talk more to my children about these type of analogies and link them back into the Bible because these are the way that our kids learn. 
and they take note of what we're saying and they take note of how we're acting and they take note of our stance just like if we are shooting a bow and arrow and we have to have our feet planted in the ground and our you know our shoulders in a certain position our children also notice where our feet are planted and I believe we need to have our feet planted in our church in a body of believers it is so much easier to send our arrows straight and true towards that meaningful target if we are connected in a body of believers. And our children are watching that and they are more likely to raise their children in church if they see us doing that. And I have to wonder if when COVID all goes away and at the end of the day social distancing relaxes I've got to wonder which families aren't going to come back to church because it's comfortable to be at home who's going to hang in their jammies and watch everything online and it's going to be like a pivotal point those first couple of weeks when we can go back to church and as parents we're going to have to make that decision do we do church in the flesh or do we do church at home and how we make that decision is going to affect our children and their perception of a stance in the body of Christ. And the last point that I want to talk about, and I'm only going to touch on it, but it's actually, it's a huge thing. And that is that arrows are a weapon and that this is war. Arrows aren't a shield, they're an offensive weapon. We know that we are living in a supernatural war. We're living in a spiritual war. We, we all know that. And just as um, an arrow heads towards a target, God is calling us to send our arrows out, our children, at such a time as this, to make a difference in people's lives, to draw people to God with all of the abilities and the talents and everything that God has gifted with, to them, he calls them to make a difference. Do you know what Wikipedia defines a bow and arrow as? This is what Wikipedia says. The bow and arrow is a ranged weapon system consisting of an elastic launching device, the bow, and a long shafted projectile an arrow. There's so much imagery in that and there's so much imagery where Solomon talks about arrows in the hands of warriors and that's a whole other sermon but it's our aim that we're talking about today and so we want to make sure that our aim is straight and true and that our bullseye is that our children are going to have a living relationship with Christ and we need to to parent towards that. Let's close in prayer. Oh dear Lord, we are parenting at the edge of eternity and we really need you, Lord. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to fill our children. And Lord, I know you love them more than we as parents love them. And I just ask you to... Help them, Lord, be in their lives and help them to put you first and to be in relationship with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.